Section 12 of Studies in Love and in Terror. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Angelique Campbell, November 2018. Studies in Love and in Terror by Marie Bellock Lowndes. The Woman from Purgatory, Part Three. The train glided into the fog-laden London station, and very slowly Agnes Barlow stepped down out of the railway carriage. She felt oppressed by the fact that she was alone. During the last few weeks, Ferrier had always been standing on the platform, waiting to greet her, eager to hurry her into a cab, to a picture gallery, to a concert, or, of late, oftenest of all, to one of those green oasises which the great town still leaves her lovers. But now, Ferrier was not here. Ferrier was ill, solitary, in the lonely rooms which he called home. Agnes Barlow hurried out of the station. Hammer, 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 went what she supposed was her heart. It was a curious, to Agnes, a new sensation, bred of the fear that she would meet some acquaintance to whom she would have to explain her presence in town. She could not help being glad that the fog was of that dense, stifling quality which makes everyone intent on his own business rather than on that of his neighbors. Then something happened which scared Agnes, she was walking, now very slowly, out of the station, when a tall man came up to her. He took off his hat and peered insolently into her face. "'I think I've had the pleasure of meeting you before,' he said. She stared at him with a great, unreasonable fear gripping her heart. No doubt this was some business acquaintance of Frank's. I, I don't think so, she faltered. Oh, yes, he said. Don't you remember? Two years ago, at the Parola in Regent Street, I don't think I can be wrong. And then Agnes understood. You are making a mistake, she said breathlessly and quickened her steps. The man looked after her with a jeering smile, but he made no further attempt to molest her. She was trembling, shaking with fear, disgust, and terror. It was odd, but such a thing had never happened to pretty Agnes Barlow before. She was not often alone in London. She had never been there alone on such a foggy evening, an evening which invited such approaches as those she had just repulsed. She touched a respectable-looking woman on the arm. "'Can you tell me the way to Floyd Street?' chelsea she asked her voice faltering why yes miss it's a good step from here but you can't mistake it you've only got to go straight along and then ask again after you've been walking about twenty minutes you can't mistake it and she hurried on while agnes tried to keep in step behind her for the slight adventure outside the station became retrospectively terrifying she thrilled with angry fear lest that 
that brute should still be stalking her but when she looked over her shoulder she saw that the pavement was nearly bare of walkers at last the broad thoroughfare narrowed to a point where four streets converged agnes glanced fearfully this way and that which of those shadowy black-coated figures hurrying past intent on their business would direct her rightly within the last half-hour agnes had grown horribly afraid of men and then with more relief than the fact warranted across the narrow roadway she saw emerge between two parting waves of fog the shrouded figure of a woman leaning against a dead wall agnes crossed the street but as she stepped up onto the curb suddenly there broke from her twice repeated a low involuntary cry of dread teresa she cried and then again teresa for in the shrouded figure before her she had recognized with a thrill of incredulous terror the forms and lineaments of teresa maldo but there came no answering cry and agnes gave a long gasping involuntary sigh of relief as she realized that what had seemed to be her dead friend's dark glowing face was the face of a little child a black-haired beggar child with large startled eyes wide open on a living world the tall woman whose statuesque figure had so strangely recalled teresa's supple powerful form was holding up the child propping it on the wall behind her still shaking with the chill terror induced by the vision she now believed she had not seen agnes went up closer to the melancholy group even now she longed to hear the woman speak can you tell me the way to floyd street she asked the woman looked at her fixedly no that i can't she said listlessly i'm a stranger here and then with a passionate energy which startled agnes for god's sake give me something lady to help me to get home i've walked all the way from essex it's taken me oh so long with the child though we've had a lift here and a lift there and i haven't a penny left i came to find my husband but he's lost himself on purpose a week ago agnes barlow would have shaken her head and passed on she had always held the theory carefully inculcated by her careful parents that it is wrong to give money to beggars in the street but perhaps the queer illusion that she had just experienced made her remember father ferguson in a flash she recalled a sermon of the old priest which had shocked and disturbed his prosperous congregation for in it the preacher had advanced the astounding theory that it is better to give to nine impostors than to refuse to one just man nay more he had reminded his hearers of the old legend that christ sometimes comes in the guise of a beggar to the wealthy she took five shillings out of her purse and put them not in the woman's hand but in that of the little child thank you said the woman dully may god bless you that was all but agnes went on vaguely comforted and now at last 
helped on her way by more than one good-natured wayfarer she reached the quiet but shabby chelsea street where therrier lived the fog had lifted towards the river and in the lamplight agnes barlow was not long in finding a large open door above which was inscribed the thomas moore studios agnes walked timorously through into the square empty gaslit hall and looked round her with distaste the place struck her as very ugly and forlorn utterly lacking in what she had always taken to be the amenities of flat life an obsequious porter a lift electric light how strange if to have told her that he lived in a building that was beautiful springing in bold and simple curves rose a wrought iron staircase filling up the centre of the narrow tower-like building agnes knew that ferrier lived high up somewhere near the top she waited a moment at the foot of the staircase she was gathering up her strength throwing behind her everything that had meant life happiness and what signified so very much to such a woman as herself personal repute but even so agnes did not falter in her purpose she was still possessed driven onward by a passion of jealous misery but though her spirit was willing ay and more than willing for revenge her flesh was weak and as she began slowly walking up the staircase she started nervously at the grotesque shapes cast by her own shadow and at the muffled sounds of her own footfalls halfway up the high building the gas jets burned low and agnes felt aggrieved what a mean stupid economy on the part of the owners of this strange unnatural dwelling-place how dreadful it would be if she were to meet anyone she knew any one belonging to what she was already unconsciously teaching herself to call her old happy life as if in cruel answer to her fear a door opened and an old man clad in a big shabby fur coat and broad-brimmed hat came out agnes's heart gave a bound in her bosom yes this was what she had somehow thought would happen in the half-light she took the old man to be an eccentric acquaintance of her father's mr willis she whispered hoarsely he looked at her surprised resentful my name's not willis he said gruffly as he passed her on his way down and her heart became stilled how could she have been so foolish as to take that disagreeable old man for kindly-natured mr willis she was now very near the top only a story and a half more and she would be there her steps were flagging but a strange kind of peace had fallen on her in a few moments she would be safe for ever in ferrier's arms how strange and unreal the notion seemed and then and then as if fashioned by some potent incantation from the vaporous fog outside a tall gray figure rose out of nothingness and stood barring the way on the steel floor of the landing above her agnes clutched the iron railing too oppressed rather than too frightened to speak 
out in the fog-laden street she had involuntarily called out the other's name teresa she had cried teresa but this time no word broke from her lips for she feared that if she spoke the other would answer teresa meldo's love the sisterly love of which agnes had been so little worthy had broken down the gateless barrier which stretches its dense length between the living and the dead what she the living woman had not known how to do for teresa the dead woman had come back to do for her for now agnes seemed suddenly able to measure the depth of the gulf into which she had been about to throw herself she stared with fearful fascinated eyes at the immobile figure swathed in gray seer-like garments and her gaze traveled stealthily up to the white passionless face drained of all expression save that of watchful concern and understanding tenderness with a swift movement agnes turned round clinging to the iron rail she stumbled down the stairway to the deserted hall and with swift terror hastened steps rushed out into the street through the fog she plunged not even sparing a moment to look back and up to the dimly lighted window behind which poor ferrier stood as a softer a truer natured woman might have done violently she put all thought of her lover from her and as she hurried along with tightening breath the instinct of self-preservation alone possessing her she became more and more absorbed in measuring the fathomless depth of the pit in which she had so nearly fallen her one wish now was to get home to get home to get home before frank got back but the fulfilment of that wish was denied her for as agnes barlow walked crying softly as she went in the misty darkness along the road which led from summerfield station to the gate of the haven there fell on her ear the rhythmical tramp of well-shod feet she shrank near to the hedge in no mood to greet or to accept greeting from a neighbor but the walker was now close to her he struck a match agnes it was frank barlow's voice shamed eager questioning is that you i thought i hoped you would come home by this train and as she gave no immediate answer as he missed god alone knew with what relief the prim cold accents to which his wife had accustomed him of late he hurried forward and took her masterfully into his arms oh my darling he whispered huskily i know i've been a beast but i've never left off loving you and i can't stand your coldness agnes is driving me to the devil forgive me my pure angel and frank barlow's pure angel did forgive him and with a spontaneity and generous forgetfulness which he will ever remember nay more agnes and this touched her husband deeply even gave up her pleasant acquaintance with that writing fellow ferrier because ferrier through no fault of his was associated in both their minds with the terrible time each would have given so much to obliterate from the record of their otherwise cloudless married life end of section twelve
read by angelique campbell november 2018